Welcome to today's January Ask the Expert call. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce today's host, David Molman with Align Technology. David, you have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert web webinar. Don't be unsettled by unsettled cases with Dr. Jonathan Nicosis. You'll learn two C hours for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CPC certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor's site account. Please allow two to four weeks for CE hours to appear on your account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we're unable to answer everyone's questions. Our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Design Doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Jonathan Nicosis. Dr. Jonathan Nicosis reached the level of Invisalign Elite Advantage provider in 2005 and has been treating the Invisalign patients at his private practice in Princeton, New Jersey, since 1999. He's taught Invisalign courses, conducted regional study clubs, lectured at Invisalign Summit, and co-authored a textbook chapter on Invisalign in Mosby's Orthodox Review, second edition, which was released in 2014. Dr. Nicosis has earned his DMD at the University of Pennsylvania, his MS and Certificate in Orthodontics from Temple University, and as a member of the Angle Society. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Nicosis. Dr. Nicosis, you have the floor. Wonderful. Thank you, David. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I'm here today to discuss uh, a clinical challenge uh, that we're all faced with, those uh, pesky, unsettled cases uh, that we oftentimes experience with Invisalign. Uh, so today, the title again is Don't Be Unsettled by Unsettled Cases. Uh, David reviewed my background, so I will skip over that. Uh, but by way of housekeeping, I'd like to point out that the statements, views, and opinions you're about to hear in this program are of uh, that of mine, not necessarily that of Alliance Technology, and they may not endorse such views or opinions, and you as attendees are responsible for any legal or regulatory compliance related to marketing or referral programs. So by way of introduction, prior to the advent of aligner therapy, did you as a person in private practice have posterior teeth that were never occluding properly or perfectly at the end of your patient's treatment, or whose buccal cusp tips were flared out slightly due to the expansion in the uh, arch wire that you had wiped into it? or potentially whose slight buckle overjet remained after correction of teeth that were previously in crossbite. Well, I know, like you, it's never happened to me either when all I had to deal with was fixed appliances. But since this whole thing called Invisalign came out many years ago, it has me all upset because aside from marketing directly to the public and allowing those general dentists to do minor to moderate orthodontics, I have to think, rethink instead a whole new way of how teeth move using software that I have no control over. How dare they, Invisalign that is, raise awareness of their product and orthodontics in general to the public without me knowing how to move teeth with plastic because I didn't have this in my residency program, so how am I supposed to know how to do this? How dare they give me ClinCheck that won't, don't work perfectly every time? I wish they would. I wish my ClinCheck's were perfectly every time, so all I could do is simply accept it and not have to think anything about it. That would be fantastic. But wait a second. If you continue that logic to its logical conclusion, wouldn't then every general dentist be able to treat every same complex malocclusion that me as a specialist could? 
case you can't uh, uh, see through it, that's all sarcasm. So my point to you is, and the point of this presentation is, don't be unsettled by Invisalign. Rather, you as a specialist should be unsettled by your inability to think outside a box and apply the same sort of mechanics that you automatically do with your fixed appliances every day, but you take for granted, but apply that to aligner therapy. And it really takes the, the basic and the simplicity of taking the time to deconstruct those actions of fixed appliances, again, that we take for granted every day, and build them back up step-by-step step in your ClinCheck. So let's discuss the problem. The problem that we're talking about, these unsettled cases, is basically posterior open bites, or really a lack of a socked-in occlusion and unsettled cusps uh, towards the end of treatment. So what is the etiology of the problem now that we have named it? Well, firstly, some think it's potentially the plastic covering the occlusal surface, and when that plastic is on the occlusal surface, it imparts forces to help intrude these posterior teeth when a patient might be clenching during the day while they're wearing their aligners. And so what is the potential solution? Well, you just like uh, post, uh, fixed appliances, we sometimes put bite razors or bite ramps or bite turbos. Well, we could potentially put bite ramps in to disarticulate the posterior teeth. And as we've seen with Invisalign and the evolution that is Invisalign, now, in the modern times, we've got G5 solutions of the deep bite um, uh, 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 protocols to help deal with this problem. So we've got these virtual bite ramps that augment and change um, throughout the ClinCheck to maintain constant contact with the lower anterior teeth to help disarticulate the posterior teeth. So potentially those uh, plastic on the posterior occlusal surfaces won't be contacting and therefore won't impart those intrusive forces. Second potential etiology is improper torque control when we close anterior spaces or if we tighten anterior contacts, uh, as you will see with the virtual power chain. So the solution is ask for about 5 to 10 degrees of active lingual root torque during your space closure, and sometimes you even ask for a little bit of intrusion if you think it's indicated. Uh, again, we'll, we'll discuss this with fixed appliances. Uh, relating it to fixed appliances, but these are the same things that we do automatically when we wipe a curve in the upper arch wire when we're power chaining six to six to prevent deepening of the overbite. And again, in my mind, it mimics a tweed closing loop arch wire where we uh, twist uh, lingual root torque in that anterior segment. Oftentimes, that anterior segment of the wire is stepped up. And furthermore, oftentimes, we wipe a curve in that upper arch wire to prevent deepening of the overbite. And so because we do that with our fixed appliances uh, all the time, we simply have to deconstruct those actions and build them back up in our ClinCheck. Third key as a potential etiology to the problem are occlusal interferences. The simple solution is what we learned in dental school, is simply make potentially an occlusal adjustment to help settle the bite. So the problem, however, is here. You have a patient that comes in, they've got these posterior open bites. What do we do to, to uh, deal with these? So the first order of business, the first mechanical approach might be to trim the aligner, cross your fingers, and allow the settling to occur over time. So let's look at my very first official teen patient. When I say official, before Invisalign had teen, I was submitting uh, teenagers uh, to Invisalign simply lying about the year of their birth uh, just so that I could get the case uh, treated with Invisalign. So I had a lot of 35-year-olds with, with acne and no facial hair, uh, but nonetheless, Class one, deep overbite, spacing, this is a no-brainer with Invisalign. 
how do you go in and bond the lower arch with braces unless you use bite razors or bite turbos? You know, and, they, and that all works. I'm not here to say it doesn't work. It's just working too hard. And bite razors in central New Jersey and Princeton here uh, are not big practice buildings. But if you can start a case like this with correcting the deep overbite from the beginning and with both arches simultaneously, this is a, a win-win for everybody. And you'll see Grant here, but what you're going to see here, watch my upper anterior teeth. Look at all the lingual root torque I'm applying the whole way during treatment. I'm leveling the lower curve by extruding the bicuspids and entering the lower anterior. This case has been featured in my uh, white paper on deep bite uh, correction. But here I am pushing the lower bicuspids up while I intrude the lower anterior teeth to level the curve. Again, mechanics covered previously. But you'll see as I cycle through the treatment here, here we are at stage 18, nine months of treatment. Look how well everything is tracking. We take the aligners out and look at the overbite correction that I got in nine months. It, it fixed appliances if I did not uh, use a bite turbo or bite razors, I'd be just getting my bra lower brackets on around eight or nine months into treatment. But here's the issue we're all focused on today. This little open bite here. What do we do with this? The truth is, in this case, but again, to go from here to here in nine months' time, where all I'm doing is handing out plastic, where I put all the attachments on from the beginning and keep them all to the end. I'm setting it and forgetting it from the beginning. So all I'm doing is handing out plastic. But this is the, the, the concern that we're working on here. The truth is, in this case, I trimmed his aligners upper and lower four to four, and I said, go wear your aligners full time. Come back in six weeks. Remember, this is a teenage patient. What do you think happened in six weeks' time? Well, the five, six, and sevens super erupted. So now I had an anterior open bite up from the four to four. So after I freaked out a little bit, I said, all right, well, how do we remedy this? Well, I took an algin impression, made Essex retainers, and I trimmed the Essex retainers to just cover five, sixes, and sevens in all four quadrants. So we basically had sectional quadrant retainers. And I said, wear these full time, see me every week, and in two weeks' time, the bite was, was socked back in. So I learned a lot from this case. Uh, before and after panoramic images, before and after cephalometrics. You can see how I preserved the uh, interincisal angle here using proper mechanics, applying lingual root torque throughout the whole uh, ClinCheck treatment plan. You can appreciate the leveling the lower curve of speed with uh, my marginal ridge improvement here. And here he is in retention, six months in retention with the posterior teeth settled. He never got his laterals bonded. Um, and my midlines are off. That was my fault because I asked my technician to leave space equal uh, around uh, 7 and 10, not really measuring that number 10 was wider than 7. So that was my uh, discrepancy there. But you can appreciate how these uh, posterior teeth eventually did settle. Here's an adult case. Uh, retreatment sheds previous four bicuspids. But this is a class 2 division, uh, I'm sorry, class 1 division 2 some people have said because the upper anterior teeth are kind of uh, tilted lingually here. And we all know Angle did not have that official uh, classification, but some have described that in the literature. Uh, but here is the issue with posterior open bites and un, um, inter, uh, uh, anterior teeth that are insufficiently torqued. So here I'm asking for about 15 degrees of lingual root torque on 8 and 9. 
Now watch my modification here. This is me communicating to my technician. From stages 24 to 28, you tip the crowns and incisal edges of the upper two to two lingually to close the space. This undoes all the torque that was achieved earlier. Please close the space from those stages while continuing to apply lingual root torque to the upper two to two without extruding these teeth. And so what you'll see here in this ClinCheck, well, let's discuss this. So typically the, the, the virtual power chain, when they tighten contacts, my concern is oftentimes, uh, the majority of times, they tighten contacts of these anterior teeth by simply tilting those crowns lingually. And in my opinion, this undoes all the torque achieved during treatment and it iatrogenically creates anterior interferences and posterior open bites. And so in my mind, in designing your ClinCheck to mimic fixed appliances, it is imperative that you ask for active lingual root torque during the space closure or contact tightening, again, to prevent these anterior interferences that cause posterior open bites. So I ask routinely for five to 10 degrees of lingual root torque when closing these anterior spaces or tightening contacts. And in my mind, it best mimics the actions that we get with fixed appliances when an edgewise wire binds in the bracket slot when we're power chaining six to six. Oftentimes, as I said previously, we wipe a curve in that upper arch wire to not only prevent deepening of the overbite, but to also help control the anterior torque. And so in review, don't think that I have anything against the virtual power chain. Instead, I want you to be mindful of it and be mindful how it's executed. By that, I mean make sure there's not any excessive lingual crown tipping that uh, is often associated with it because you will end up with these anterior interferences and posterior open bites. So if we take a look at this patient here, you can see how I'm torquing the upper anterior teeth the whole time. And during the tight, uh, the space contacting, there is continual lingual root torque applied to those teeth rather than those anterior teeth being tilted lingually. And again, she has uh, some dental work done in the posterior teeth here. I waited for, I created space on the lower anterior. Look at that space I created. I turned every crowded case into a minor spacing case with tooth movement, not IPR. I had to delay adding these lower attachments due to the deep overbite. So I had to uh, procline and lingual root torque the upper anterior teeth uh, before I had sufficient space to uh, apply those attachments on the bottom. Um, and then I create space to help get that rotation out, vertical rectangular beveled attachment uh, on the mesial half of the crown to better affect my distal root tip and my um, rotation. But here she is at the time of refinement. Now here's this little open bite that's open uh, in the back here. Uh, and we came time to refinement and I really needed some more lingual root torque. And so I look at this and I say, all right, uh, that looks good, but I need more. Now, if this were, uh, and some of us, when we see this, we're like, oh, well, Invisalign didn't work. It didn't express all that lingual root torque. And I would, I would uh, come back at you with the question as well, if you have fixed appliances on these teeth and you torque those anterior teeth and they come in and they're insufficiently torqued, what do you do? You don't look down at your, your braces and say, darn you, you didn't work. No, instead you take your wire out you, you uh, put more torque in those anterior teeth, you recharge your force system, and you put that wire back in. Well, for me, that's what refinement is. Refinement is just the ability to recharge my force system to add another 15 degrees of lingual root torque on eight and nine to, to help uh, get uh, some more uh, torque in the anterior region here. So you can see the whole time I'm applying lingual root torque while I'm tightening the contacts. You can see 
the nice increase, um, I'm sorry, the leveling the curve of speed that I did here from initial stage one to initial uh, refinement. Likewise, look at the curve of speed in this view here uh, on an adult. And here we are at stage 10 in refinement. And yes, we still have this pesky posterior open bite, this unsettled case that makes us unsettled in our mind. And, you know, I, I kind of chuckle at this stuff because when you think about uh, Charles Tweed and the Tweed mechanics, Charles Tweed ended up with a crazy posterior open bite because of his tip back bend and setting up his posterior anchorage. And I'm not here suggesting I'm doing Tweed mechanics with the liners, but please understand that Charles Tweed had what he called the recapture phase. Uh, at the conclusion of his uh, appliances, when he withdrew, uh, took off his appliances, it took well over a year for those sevens and sixes to drift vertically to the occlusal plane. So if Charles Tweed had the recapture phase, we can have something like that with not only aligners, but with our fixed appliances. But this is what I'm talking about right here. And in this case, I did nothing. And I made my retainers, and I just allowed it to settle. And she comes in. Here's the correction of the overbite. She comes in a year later, and now look how things have settled by doing nothing. I did not trim her aligners. I didn't uh, trim her retainers. I just went right to retainers and allowed them to settle. But here's we are at the conclusion of treatment. Here we are one year later. We had some natural settling occur. So getting back to this first order of mechanics, you trim the aligners, you cross your fingers, and you allow to settle before retainers are made. The question is, when do I do this? Well, I do it more likely in a teenager than an adult. I am more likely to do it when there is about a millimeter to settle. And if there are no other corrections to be done in case refinement, then I attempt uh, this approach. That's important, meaning that there are no other corrections to, uh, to be done, no other rotations, uh, no other extrusions of anterior teeth, et cetera. Then I will go ahead and do this. This is the last little bit that needs to be done. And the other time when I do this, when I trim it and cross my fingers and hope for the best, is this I have already done a case refinement and attempted uh, any active extrusion uh, of those posterior teeth, which we're going to talk about momentarily. So second mechanic is to do nothing and allow it to settle in retention, like I just showed you on that last adult. When do I do this? Well, again, when there's about a millimeter or less, when there's no other movements to, or to detail or to accomplish with a potential case refinement. And in my experience, this works much faster, this settling and retention, than it does in an adult. So let's take a look at Thomas here. Again, another deep overbite, teen patient. How, class one malocclusion, how do you bond the bottom appliances here? Uh, think to yourself, how long would this take you to treat with fixed appliances? Um, and here I am asking for power ridges on 8-9 to intrude these teeth gradually, 2.5 millimeters, extrude the laterals using my extrusion protocol, level the lower curve of speed by extruding the bicuspids, a total of 3 millimeters, intruding the lower 3 to 3, 4 millimeters. Again, it seems excessive, but it's no different than when you wipe a reverse curve in your lower arch wire. And just like uh, a wire has flexibility that will flex and, and fit in your bracket slots, so does an aligner have flexibility. And so here I am intruding and torquing the upper anterior teeth during the clincheck. I'm leveling the lower curve by intruding the lower three to three, extruding the bicuspids. But look at how these upper centrals end up in the final clincheck. That kind of looks silly in the final alignment, but yet 
you know, that's what our wire would look like if, if, the, if the torque was fully expressed. But due to the slop in the slot, it doesn't look like that. But virtually, it's going to look a little bit excessive. So is that overcorrection uh, or overengineering? I don't care for those terms. I simply like to say it's mimicking the actions of fixed appliances uh, that we take for granted every day. So here he is at stage 18, impression for refinement, nine months into treatment. Look how well everything is tracked. I, the, no chewies were used here. I've never used a chewy. They don't make sense to me. Uh, if a ClinCheck is designed properly, you should need a chewy to get it to sock in better. But to go from here, now if I, I'm being critical, which, which I am, eight needs a little bit of mesial root tip compared to nine to make it more parallel. But to go from here on top to here on bottom in nine months of treatment, I think is astounding. It's something that I simply cannot do with braces. And that's why Invisalign uh, for deep overbites is my appliance system of choice, not only in the teenage patient, but in the adult patient. But here you can see the, this pesky posterior open bite, uh, which we're going to address in a moment. But in refinement here, I'm doing some mesial root tip. Again, this is in the days before the G4 second order attachments, which in today's world I would use that. And we're done in 11 and a half months, under a year of treatment. But here's this posterior open bite. And so I would submit to you this is less than a millimeter. So if I have a teenager that when I end up and I have less than a millimeter of this amount of posterior open bite, I, my experience has told me that I can go right to retainers and eventually this will settle down. You can appreciate the change in the mesial root tip of tooth number eight from month nine to month 11 and a half. There is no enameloplasty on this uh, incisal edges of these teeth. But 11 and a half months of progress. Again, all I'm doing is handing out plastic. I'm applying my attachments from the beginning, and I'm setting it and forgetting it. So all I have to do is hand out plastic and not check ClinChecks, not check for contacts, not do any checklists. And the other thing I found is the stability of the result of the deep overbite correction has simply been uh, astounding with aligner therapy. But now, nine months into treatment, I'm sorry, into retention, you can see how those posterior teeth have settled. Here we are, 18 months in retention, and now 24 months in retention. It's socked in, and he's now about four years in retention. He's a senior this year, graduating, and I'm treating his brother now um, in Invisalign. Uh, but this is just wonderful correction, settling, and long-term retention. Here we have another patient, 11 years old, anterior crossbite. And my partner says, why are you doing Invisalign on an 11-year-old? And I said, why wouldn't I? Why would I want to put brackets on these teeth and, and bite razors or bite turbos that are going to pop off on a Saturday night or something and make me come into the office? I can simply, yeah, a supernumerary tooth, which we removed prior to starting treatment. But here I am. Um, applying for teeth that are blocked out to the lingual. I mimic my actions to fix the appliances where I take my, my bracket, I flip it upside down to apply that um, gradual extra labial root torque when I engage uh, an edgewise wire. So in my ClinCheck, I'm asking for 15 degrees of labial root torque uh, during the movement of 7 and 10. Here are, my pushing here are my pushing vectors of force. I'm sorry, coming from the lingual out to the labial. And you can see how my virtual root stays underneath that clinical crown. My horizontal rectangular beveled gingival attachment keeps this tooth locked into the aligner when it's brought forward. You can appreciate also with the extrusion of number 11. I bring it out labially, creating space, and then I push it with, push it, extrude it with simultaneous lingual retraction. So I'm always pushing on it. But look, all my attachments are added from the beginning. 
I don't, I'm not removing anything. I create minor space during the treatment to free up any contacts, any collisions. I don't have to check for contacts, check for collisions. There's no chewies here. All I'm doing is handing out plastic because I set it and forget it from the beginning. People are like, oh, he's got a little bit of plaque around there. Well, it's a lot less plaque than what my braces patients come in with. But here we are done, stage 28. Here's that posterior open bite. I would say that's about a millimeter. And so at this point, I took impressions for a, a segmented lingual bonded retainer, uh, and I went right to retainers, uh, right to lingual uh, uh, Essex retainers. Here's before and after pan. 14 months of treatment. I think I saw him a total of five times or six times, and all I did was bond attachments, hand out plastic, take one refinement, and take impressions for retainers after I remove the attachment. But this is the amount of open bite in a teenager that I am comfortable with going right to retainers because in a little as six months' time, you can see how it just settles. My retention protocol is full-time for the first six or eight weeks. And after that, evening and bedtime for a total of about 12 hours a day uh, for um, about um, two, two months. And then after that, just bedtime. So you can see that in as little as six months' time to go from this amount of unsettled case to this amount is something that no longer worries me. Uh, third mechanical approach is active settling, active elastic where we trim aligners to mimic a round wire on top and a rigid wire on the lower with fixed appliances. Let's revisit that. How do we settle cases using zigzag elastics with fixed appliances? Well, typically on the lower, we maintain our rigid rectangular arch wire and step back on the upper arch to either a round or a flexible rectangular arch wire, and you have the patient wear vertical elastics up and down to settle the case. So the, the, the natural fundamental question is how can I uh, mimic that action uh, in aligner therapy. And, and, but in this uh, approach, it, it's basically like the upper buckle cusp tips are rolling down to meet the lower, to better occlude with the lower. So with the liners, how do we do this? Well, on the lower, I trim the buckle, leaving plastic extended onto the buckle surface about two to three millimeters. And in my mind, this mimics a rigid rectangular arch wire. On the upper aligner, I trim the plastic just at or just lingual to the central fossa so that the, only the lingual cusps are covered. And then I've got the whole buckle surface to bond buttons on both the lower and the upper. And, and for me, this uh, on the upper, trimming it back to the lingual uh, central fossa, this mimics um, a stepping back to a round wire. Then I, again, I bond buttons on the buckle surfaces. I instruct my patients to wear their elastics only 12 hours a day but it's very important to wear their aligners full time. And, and my rationale for doing this is simply, I don't want to slam those teeth towards each other. I want to gradually just kind of tease them uh, towards each other to settle the, the case. Um, and now when do I do this approach? When do I trim the aligners and, do, and bond these buttons and do active elastics? Well, typically it's after an attempt with active extrusion of the posterior teeth and refinement, which you're gonna see some cases with that soon. And if it's more than a millimeter, and I think active aligner settling will not work. Uh, and typically my experience has shown that this is uh, accomplished and it's last anywhere for about two to eight weeks. And I usually see a patient once every, uh, every one to two weeks 
to monitor this. And it's a quick appointment. But here we have a teenager, uh, class three, anterior open bite tendency. And again, anterior open bites, as we've seen from this past year's summit, is like the new class one crowding in orthodontics. It's the new black in orthodontics. And, and so anterior open bite is, is, is routine for us now with aligners. Uh, but here's me communicating to my technician. The way I do it is I mimic my ClinCheck to mimic uh, the um, uh, Meow appliance, multi-loop edgewise arch wire. And here's my mechanics. Intrude upper and lower five, six, and seven, two millimeters each. I do it all simultaneously because when I use the Meow appliance, the Meow wire, uh, it acted on all the teeth simultaneously. Others have uh, advocated doing the sevens first, then the sixes first, and then the fives. And that works, and I think it works fine. I just think it might take a little bit longer. Both approaches work. I just think this is a little bit more um, uh, efficient because to me it mimics the meow appliance acting on all the teeth at once. So here's my ClinCheck where I'm intruding the posterior teeth and the anterior teeth. I move out, create space, and then I extrude with simultaneous retraction. And on purpose, I end up with a posterior open bite in my ClinCheck, in my cartoonodontics, but in the real world, I'm not going to have that posterior open bite because the mandible is going to swing forward to maintain contact. And here she is at stage six. At stage 12, look how well everything is tracking. And at stage 14, seven months into treatment, I did a refinement. Uh, back then it was impression. But look at the nice improvement I've gotten in seven months of treatment. And I could have stopped here. But I got greedy, and I wanted to do a refinement to uh, justify my, my full treatment fee. And uh, I basically uh, created a problem I then had to settle with elastics. And, and so what I'm talking about is watch these upper cuspids. I bring them out, and then I extrude them down a little bit. I never bring them back in lingually to maintain contact. But I'm intruding my posterior teeth, keeping it open, and so I get to uh, the end of treatment here. Here we have some progress, 12-month progress. And you can see I kind of brought them out again to be able to extrude it. But at 14 months, I created this problem because I never brought those teeth back and in. And so I'm at a, a fork in the road. Do I go? I already did a refinement, and I created this in refinement. Uh, do I go back and do another one, or do I go in and uh, bond some clear buttons, trim, if you look closely, the lower is trimmed just to the labia, uh, on the labial, creating a window. The occlusal is still covered. On the upper, I trim lingual to the central fossa, so only the lingual cusp tips are covered. And have her wear elastics, again, 12 hours a day, aligners full-time, and I saw her every two weeks, and it took six total weeks to settle this down. And in six weeks, I'm now settled down and in. And again, this is my way of mimicking the actions of fixed appliances to aligner therapy. Our total treatment time was 15 months. And here she, and here we are, six weeks of settling. And this is a different approach. Total treatment time is 15 months, and I believe we have uh, six-month retention, and also here we have before and after CEPHs. And 12 months retention, I apologize. Here we have Propel and uh, Invisalign. Uh, here we have a patient, the third opinion. Uh, she knows she needs a SARPI, surgical assisted rapid palatal expansion. She declined it, uh, was told by two other people Invisalign won't work for your case. 
Um, and so we went in and we did Propel in all four quadrants. Uh, Propel is a, a way that we can facilitate, accelerate tooth movement by stimulating the local inflammatory response with uh, transmucosal osteoperforation. Um, and I have my patients switching their aligners out weekly instead of every two weeks. And with Propel, you can use a topical anesthetic and or local infiltration, uh, but basically uh, it's a very easy procedure. It takes a few minutes after a patient is numb. You just go in and you create these small perforations, uh, very much like placing a TAD, but you don't leave a TAD behind. And what I love about this approach is that I, as a doctor, can target where I want to facilitate this movement uh, and be very specific about it. There's no patient compliance uh, involved. Um, and typically I do this maybe one, two, or three times in a case, depending on the type of movement that I, what I do what would like to accomplish. And so for that, that means that my overhead uh, is minimally impacted. Um, and of course, you can also charge a premium uh, for this type of uh, approach. But when we look at Nikki here, here she is at stage 12. And using my, my I don't change, I want you to understand, I don't change my velocities on my ClinCheck. I do my normal ClinCheck as if they were not going to be doing Propel. Um, and then I just have them switch their aligners out weekly. But look at how well everything is tracked. You know as well as I do, when we have eight and nine upper centrals over, uh, overlap like that, it's very difficult to bond brackets to those teeth. So a case like this with aligners is great. So now here we are at five and a half months of treatment, 22 stages in five and a half months, we've got this pesky posterior open bite that has me all unsettled. So the truth is with this case, I did a refinement to try to actively settle these teeth and it was not as effective. So then I went to the elastics that you just uh, saw and I vertically extruded those teeth. But to go from here to here, in five and a half months is astounding. Look at the papilla response between eight and nine. I hate bonding these, these teeth with brackets because there's no interbracket distance for the wire to work itself out. And so again, look at the arch form change. Uh, she was well informed about the central issue of, of relapse. Uh, but after uh, one series of refinement to extrude the case and work, I went to uh, active settling with elastics. We're done in a total of seven months. Here we have another class three anterior open bite I'm doing with Propel, where this upper five is unsettled at the end. And so Matthew comes in, he got this anterior open bite because a dentist made him a, a mouth guard that was fabricated upper five to upper five only. It allowed the posterior upper molars to extrude. And so here I am mimicking my meow appliance, intrude sixes and sevens. Uh, do not do a surgical shift at the end. I did class three elastics on him, but here again, here's my anterior open bite protocol where I'm intruding the posterior teeth away from each other, extruding the anterior teeth only after I bring them forward, creating space between them, and then I extrude with simultaneous retraction. I'm pushing against the broad surface of that uh, horizontal rectangular beveled gingival um, attachment as perpendicular as possible. I've used no chewies here. I started Propel at stage nine. Again, all four quadrants. Took me about um, uh, 20 minutes the first time I did it. Now all four quadrants take me about 15 minutes. I did it twice in this case. Uh, minimal impact to my overhead, uh, but I save a heck of a lot of chair time and the aligners cycle through weekly. 
And so we get to 11 months, 27 stages in 11 months, uh, and we've got nice positive overbite. Here's my, my challenge right here. But to go from there to there without TADS, without surgery, uh, without um, uh, lingual holding arches or a palatal TADS, but just Invisalign and class three elastics and Propel, I think is just great. Here we are, refinement number nine, 15 months of treatment. We get to the end. So here's a case where I am sectioning the aligners and having them wear uh, triangular elastics to help sock this five into position. But again, this is a great uh, uh, indication for Invisalign, these anterior open bites. And after about um, a month or so of settling, we got this five down as far as we could. His mandible is asymmetric to his left. That's why his midline does not finish um, uh, perfectly coincident. But this is a case that, I mean, it's just amazing what plastic can do to help control the posterior vertical dimension. And here we are six months in retention. Fourth order of mechanics, fourth approach, and let's call it active extrusion uh, with horizontal rectangular beveled gingival attachment. So here we have a case where we have a supernumerary maxillary lateral incisor. So if you look, she's got the Tom Cruise midline, where it's to the left, because she's got two number sevens. And so her midline is to the left. I extracted the tooth immediately mesial to number six. So that if there's any papilla issues, it's going to be on the distal of the lateral rather than on the mesial next to the central. So you can appreciate how off her midline is. And post extraction. Now, I show this case because these are G4 second order attachments. And I have root tip going into the extraction site. I've got lingual retraction with simultaneous lingual root torque. Currently, the way the software is set up is if there's any lingual retraction, if you break that plane of space that is the arch wire, and here's about four millimeters of lingual retraction, the software does not allow for these G4 second orders, attachments that allow for better root control. And so I had to really go back and forth with my technician saying, I need these root control attachments despite what the software says. And so much like in, uh, the transition from G4 to G, uh, G3 to G4, where we were then allowed to have elastic simultaneously with certain attachments, uh, it is my hope that if there's any lingual retraction that needs to be occurring, that we will still be able to have these G4 second order attachments. Uh, but here we have uh, progress. Again, all I'm doing is handing out plastic, closing up this space, stage 18. Stage 23, impression for refinement at 11 and a half months. I don't know about you, but I can't get this amount of correction with braces in under a year. Now, you can appreciate that I actually need mesial root tip on tooth number eight. I mean, I actually got some nice root control into that extraction site. But here's this posterior open bite that we're going to settle actively with, with uh, horizontal rectangular beveled gingival attachments. Here's my progress pan at 11 and a half months. I mean, that root parallelism is, 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 if you didn't see those attachments on, you'd think this case was finished. But this is why I want to go in with my refinement and do a mesial root tip bend with the G4 second order attachment right here 
to better um, uh, align that tooth, to better deal with that tissue uh, reaction. But here is what we're here to talk about. Settling these upper teeth down to lower, active extrusion with horizontal rectangular beveled gingival attachment. As I push down on these teeth, this attachment, the beveled um, gingival attachment, flares out away from the crown to catch that pushing vector of force to help extrude those teeth. Oh, and by the way, look at my lingual root torque I'm applying to these upper anterior teeth, which is the first concept I discussed with you uh, earlier on this webinar, to make sure I've got uh, sufficient uh, anterior lingual root torque to prevent any anterior interferences and posterior open bites. Likewise, I'm also intruding the lower anterior teeth to help settle the bite. And here we are at uh, 14 months of treatment. Look at my uh, blue marking paper going all the way back to the first and second molar. My midlines are on. My papilla reaction is great from refinement. Total treatment time of 14 months. Here we are at month 11 and a half, and then at month 14. And you can appreciate the emergence of tooth number eight and how that has improved. And certainly now my upper midline is coincident with Cupid's bow on top. And here we are at, six, at 12 months in retention. And of course, I'm going to put a lingual bonded retainer there plus upper and lower Essex. But that's a perfectly settled occlusion. Here we have another adult where we have a blocked out uh, bicuspid. And so for any teeth that are blocked out on the lingual, just like that young boy I showed you, uh, if I have an adult, I'm going to apply labial root torque to these teeth. And so to that tooth, rather. So here it is. Please apply 10 degrees of labial root torque to number four during movement. And she's going to have some veneers at the end. But um, I, I distalize these teeth to create space for that tooth number four. And from occlusally, this is what I'm talking about. I don't tip the crown first and play catch up with the root. I try to apply labial root torque throughout the whole time. Now, with the advent of ClinCheck Pro, you can certainly go in and dial in that extra root torque yourself uh, during uh, the movement. Uh, and that's uh, one of the great things about the evolution of this appliance that is Invisalign. Each generational uh, evolutionary improvement allows us more flexibility and to be in more control to help uh, deal with things like this uh, ourselves with the software rather than uh, typing out instructions to your technician. But here we get to the end, uh, and 25 stages in 11 and a half months. My prosthodontist asked for a little bit of uh, freeway space in the, uh, so she can lengthen these teeth. Uh, but this is what I'm talking about, settling this in. So I had some rotations to deal with. Uh, and so if I'm dealing with these other rotations, I might as well try to settle uh, that posterior uh, upper right five and six, teeth numbers three and four, with active extrusion with the horizontal rectangular bevel gingival attachment. And this is what I'm talking about, just pushing that down into occlusion. And here we are total. You can see how that's settled in a little bit better. Total treatment time of 16 and a half months from here on top to there on the bottom. And she went ahead and got restorations on 7, 8, 9, and 10 to lengthen it. Big improvement of the smile. And she has yet to come back to get the lower teeth uh, restored. A nice improvement of her smile. Here we have a posterior crossbite right, lateral anterior open bite, and occlusal can to the smile. 16-year-old. I mean, you'll see this case. You can't tell me if this case is treated with a self-ligation appliance or plastic or, or anything else. But I don't think this is a skeletal crossbite. I think this is a dental alveolar crossbite where the upper right quadrant is tilted in and the lower right quadrant is kind of skewed out. 
But look at the uh, upper right quadrant in the pre-treatment pan and how it's just kind of uh, all uh, um, warped, in, if you will. But here's a case. If I have a posterior open bite, I almost in my clincheck want to intrude these teeth up and out of the way, so I'm going to end up with this buckle over jet. That's on purpose. Uh, but, again, with a case like this, how do you treat this with fixed appliances? Well, you put a W appliance in on top. If you put a W appliance in and expand the upper, well, this good side is going to expand, so then you've got to put a lingual holding arch in on the lower, put spurs on the lower, run crossbite elastics from the lingual lower to the upper buckle so that all your expansion is expressed out to the patient's right. And that all works, but for me it's working too hard. I would much rather just take a, a scan uh, and uh, apply some labial root torque on my ClinCheck to these teeth that are in crossbite, create space between the teeth so I can extrude them with, extrude them rather with simultaneous lingual retraction. Here's our first refinement impression at, uh, at 10 months into treatment. Look at the nice improvement in her smile line, improving the cant to the smile. And this is, you know, this is routine for me with Invisalign. This is routine for me with Invisalign in teenagers or adults. And so you get to this point and you say, oh, well, boy, my case is unsettled. I can't believe, well, if I had braces, I would do this. And that's a great, I would do this, that, and the other thing. That's a great question. What would you do here if this were braces? You would step down upper right two to the upper right five. Likewise, you'd step up lower uh, right three to lower right five. And my question to you is, what's the reciprocal force on the sixes and sevens? Well, from Burstow mechanics or Mulligan mechanics in those diagrams, it is an intrusive force. So how can I mimic those actions in my ClinCheck? Well, for me, that means I'm going to intrude upper and lower first and second molars, two millimeters each, and that mimics my step bend. Likewise, I'm going to extrude the buccal segments that mimics my step bend uh, to step these teeth towards the occlusal plane. And so this is how I'm settling this case. I want to extrude these teeth in the buccal segment, but I also want to intrude these teeth to not only get them out of the way, but it also mimics what I would be doing with fixed appliances, my step bend. We'd get a, a, um, the, the reciprocal forces and intrusive force on those posterior teeth. And we get to refinement number two, and it's settling some more. I want to extrude these teeth a little bit more in the anterior, so I bring them out, create space, and then I extrude them with simultaneous lingual retraction. Here's some static images of that crossbite correction, stage one initial, stage one refinement. Look at that arch development. Again, look at number 30. Look how it was labially displaced. Now it's nice and in line lingually. You can't tell me if this is done with plastic or a self-ligation appliance. Total treatment time of uh, 18 months. I think in line with braces. Here's my final pan. Look how nice and parallel those roots are compared to where we started. So again, Understanding what you do, your step ends with fixed appliances, deconstructing that and building it back up in your ClinCheck to help settle your cases so you're not unsettled when you see those uh, slight posterior open bites. Another anterior open bite case. As I said, it's a new class one crowding. And he did get a gingival graft prior to treatment, but here's my meow mechanics intruding these teeth creating space in the anterior teeth, extruding them with simultaneous lingual retraction. All I'm doing is handing out plastic because I bond all my attachments on from the beginning. 
You get to stage 25 for refinement. And look how great everything is tracking. Again, no chewies done here. Get my overbite correction, but I want to settle the three, fours, and, and, and fives here a little bit. So here's my extrusion, active extrusion with with, with the horizontal rectangular bevel gingival attachments. And again, I'm extruding the buccal segments, intruding the posterior teeth to mimic my step bend. And now you can see after eight weeks of settling and eight stages, we went from here to here to settle the case. And cases like this, uh, I routinely now, with the advent of SmartTrack, which I think is one of the most profound improvements in the Invisalign system, uh, aside from the horizontal rectangular bevel gingival attachment, uh, I think uh, a movement like this, I routinely switch out weekly uh, to settle a case because the plastic performs that, that well. Another teenager, we've got a buckle crossbite here. I took out this um, primary molar myself, took her scan, and you can see how far out that tooth was. Total of 20 stages, 10 months into treatment, and we took a refinement scan. We look how well they're still tracking, but this is the case, the area that I want to settle. And for settling, again, just active extrusion with horizontal rectangular beveled gingival attachments. Total treatment time of 13 months. Back up there. And here we're leveling the curve of speed by extruding the bicuspids into the lower anterior. 10 stages of refinement, 10 weeks to settle. Total treatment time of 13 months. So in review, when do we use which options? You know, I showed you different approaches. When do I use which one? Well, for elastics, I tend to use elastics only after one or two refinements and there's no other rotation corrections or, or extrusions uh, to accomplish. If it's the first or second refinement and there are other corrections to be uh, done, like rotations, extrusion, et cetera, I tend to use attachments to try to uh, settle the case with, uh, with ClinCheck. I tend to use elastics when there is one millimeter or greater that needs to be settled. If there is one millimeter or less and there have been no refinements at all, I then attempt settling in refinement with uh, horizontal rectangular bevel gingival attachments. Let me repeat that. If it's a millimeter or less and there have been no refinements thus far, I want to give my patient their full Invisalign experience and then I at least attempt refinement with horizontal rectangular bevel gingival attachments. If it's one millimeter or less, and there has been attempts of settling in refinement and it didn't work, then I either trim the aligners and allow it to settle and see the patient on a weekly basis until those things settle to, to um, my satisfaction, or I make retainers and wait and expect the settling to occur when I go to nighttime wear with my retainers. Again, this is if it's one millimeter or less. My experience tells me that this settling occurs within six months or so, and certainly faster in the teenage patient than the adult patient. Now, real question is, how do I decide which approach to use, meaning trim aligners versus allow to settle with retainers? The answer to that is, it really depends on what I had for breakfast that morning, meaning you just go with your gut. I don't have a good answer for you. Now. Another question is, logical question, 
why does one approach with aligners uh, only work, meaning active settling on some patients, and while others, it does not, and you have to go and do uh, elastics uh, and because the case does not settle uh, with your re refinement aligners when you actively extruded the posterior teeth with beveled gingival attachments? I have no idea, uh, but I'm open to any suggestions, so if you have any suggestions, please feel free to, to share them. Uh, now, in, in continuing the, these conclusive thoughts, while I may not have been able to give you definitive answers to use for each case, what I have done is given you tools of varying approaches to deal with this clinical challenge when it presents itself, because ultimately you know all these tools with your fixed appliances, but you allow these unsettled cases to unsettle your mind because you don't know how to deal with it with, a, with plastic. And my point to you is you have these tools now. You've got these approaches now that I reviewed with you that you can use uh, at your discretion um, when you are presented with this clinical challenge that is the unsettled case. And so another uh, useful reference is please refer to these mechanics uh, in my publication section at my website at princetonorthodontics.net. I have all of my publications there in the publication section and it reviews uh, not only extrusion protocol, rotation protocol, but uh, settling mechanics uh, and uh, with bevel gingival attachment, et cetera. And so with that, I would like to, to thank you for your, your kind attention. Uh, and uh, this is the last slide uh, where you have uh, this link here to your CE credit, so please copy this down, take a picture with your phone, uh, but go to this website and fill out the survey, so only then will you gain, um, uh, get your CE credits processed and sent to you. Thank you, Dr. Nickens. This is a great presentation. I want to cover one quick thing that's very important in order to receive your CE certificate for this program. Currently on the screen right now, there's a link to take a quick survey. Once you complete your survey, you'll have immediate access to your CE certificate, so please go there after the completion of the program. If you experience any problems with viewing any of the presentation, the archive program will be available one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site. I want to thank Dr. Nickens again for a great presentation and all of you for taking time out over your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much.